Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Hi, everybody. Hey, how powerful is Scotty's story? He's a good man, Scotty. Uh, he and Maureen are wonderful people. And it just, again, goes just another story to communicate to us the ability and willingness of God to do a good and profound work in all of our lives. Hey, just before we come to the message this morning, which I think is going to be incredibly helpful for you, uh, my name's Darren, uh, along with my wife, Brom. We are the senior pastors of what is called the Chapel Collective, the Chapel Churches and Armadale City Church. Uh, but as we prepare to come to that, first I just want to say two things. The first is, if you're missing out on worship, there's a whole bunch of things to um, check out online. But the other thing you can do is email our website. We've prepared a whole series of uh, worship sets, if you like, that you can worship to. We actually created them for smaller churches, but we could send you a link each week. So just email us at our church website and we'll make sure that every week a new set of worship songs, three song worship sets, comes to you. Now, before we come to uh, the Bible today, I want us to take just one minute and pray as we consider Anzac Day and our Anzacs. Anzacs that have been, the Anzacs that are, uh, the widows that have been left behind. And so I'm gonna ask you, wherever you are, don't worry about feeling uncomfortable. They felt a whole lot more discomfort for our benefit. I'd love if you would stand with me this morning and we're just gonna pray. We're gonna give thanks. We're going to commit the current Anzacs to God and then we're going to come to the Scriptures. Can you do that with me this morning? If you're a little bit uncomfortable standing where you just close your eyes. But let's take a moment to honour, thank and pray for. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every Anzac today. For every Anzac that's ever contributed to the peace, Lord, and um, sovereignty of our nation. We thank you for every Anzac, past and present. God, that has ensured the nation in which we live today. Lord, we thank you for every widow who has had to forge their way uh, in sacrificing their family. Lord, we commit them to you. Lord, I pray for neighbours who are kind. I pray for a church that is generous. Lord, and we commit them to you for, above all that, your peace and presence in their lives, in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray for the current Lord Anzacs, those, Lord, in deployment and those at home. God, we commit them to you. We thank you for them. And God, we just pray uh, you continue to uh, be kind towards our nation. Lord, I pray for every chaplain, Lord, in the midst of them, that they'd have not only words that are, Lord, that, that their words would be meaningful. They'd be profound, Lord, and their support would be greatly appreciated. We thank you, Lord, for every single serving person. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks very much. Um, all right, well, let's, let's come to it. We're talking about faith over fear. And, you know, fear, this, this quote might come up on the screen, fear may be more destructive than any other force, while faith possesses unrivaled overcoming power. I was thinking about this week and I thought about the idea that fear may well be more destructive than any other force in terms of its, a, its effect on the human spirit, and yet faith has within it unrivaled overcoming power. Uh, I hope you're going to see an image on the screen of the Remarkables 
in Queenstown, New Zealand. Just a couple of years back, Bron, the children and I were with some friends of ours. Um, some of you may know the lots and, and uh, we were driving up the Remarkables. And as we drove, we got to a certain height and I'm scared of heights. I fly in planes regularly, doesn't, don't even think about it. But in a car at height, I'm, I'm terrified. And as we got to a height that I'd never been before, um, terror began to take over me. In fact, I got so scared at one point that I was nervous that I'd have a panic attack, that I wouldn't be able to think rationally, and then I might drive off the edge. And so I pulled over, I got out, and I had to begin to walk down the mountain. Now, I didn't even want to share that story with you today. I'm so uh, embarrassed by it. I, it's very awkward that I got out of a car with my wife and children in it because I was so paralyzed by fear and walked on the mountainside of the road so that I wasn't on the other side most of the way back down the mountain. Paralyzed, caught and trapped by fear that had overcome me. Fear is extremely powerful. Now, now I do know what you're thinking. If the image came up on the screen, you're thinking, well, Darren, of course you were. You know, we, we know that my wife went up, we know that my kids went up, but of, of course you were terrified. It is the scariest thing that has happened to anybody anywhere in the history of the world. We all, we all get that. We all identify that that was the scariest moment in human history. But putting that aside and coming to our everyday lives, fear has the ability to paralyze. It really does have the, the ability to be so destructive in our lives. And God's plan is that fear have no place in us, uh, that, that fear would not dictate to you. In fact, that it wouldn't even influence to us in any way. Fear is an enemy to everything good. Fear is an enemy to everything good. It, it, if an entry point I've written here to our life, it can begin to, forget, uh, to affect everything and it can begin to do it almost immediately without anything else changing. That's the power of fear. But here's the good news that faith works in the same way with very different outcomes. Faith, the moment faith starts to stir in us, the moment faith starts to rise in us, it, it, it goes to work almost even immediately and it begins to change everything without anything else changing. Instead of shrinking our spirit, it enlarges our spirit. Instead of diminishing and paralyzing our lives, it enlarges it. It causes hope to rise in us. It causes us to be able to find energy to move forward, to make decisions and to step boldly into the future. That's not talking it up. That's just what faith does. And you, I mentioned last week, we're, we're not talking about, um, you know, just whimsical faith. We're talking about informed faith by God and His Word. It has a power to overcome fear and it has a power to be transformative in our lives. It's going to build your life. It's going to shape your future. It, it's going to echo in eternity. That is the power of faith when it goes to work in our life. I've put here, faith conquers fear. Faith makes better decisions. Faith uh, positions us for breakthrough. Faith overcomes. It will not be denied. It inherits the promises of God. Faith has one power. Fear has another. And we have the power to which one or what we permit. Faith has one power. Fear has another. And we have the power to permit which one has influence in our lives. So let's talk faith over fear. Last week, we talked about overcoming faith chooses its filter. And then we touched on the idea that, that faith um, uh, uh, choose, uh, has, it has fight. Uh, we talked about it has its filter 
And then we touched on it, it has its fight. And I'd love to come back to that at some point in the future. But today I want to bring you to this. Faith over fear. Overcoming faith lives with focus. It's focused faith. If we're going to overcome in life, we're going to need to live. We're going to have to rally in our lives by the Spirit of God. Focused faith. At some point, you and I are going to need absolutely focused faith. And so we're going to go back to Nehemiah who lived with this kind of focused faith. He, he lived with faith that, that, that would, was confident that God would bring to pass what God said he would do. Simple faith. And he lived with focus, this, this clearly, this refined um, focus of what God was going to do. He didn't have all the details on how it was going to happen yet. That would come as he moved along. God rarely gives a person all the detail, though he might grace you with it. But what he did have was very focused faith that knew the end they were moving towards and that God would give him the next step and then he'd step into that and then he'd step into the next. And as they moved along, that focused faith would carry him forward. And we see this in Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah chapter 2 Verses 17, right at the start, we see focused faith. He says, he said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and the king's favor toward me. And they replied, yep, let's do this thing. Let's, let's start rebuilding. Nehemiah had focused faith at the beginning. Actually, they all did. But Nehemiah didn't just have focused faith at the beginning. That's the easy part. Nehemiah had focused faith at the end. Listen to this. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come. Let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messages to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come to you? I love that. Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Right from the very first moment, Right, this is right near the end of the project. Nehemiah lives with focused faith. He's like, mate, I'm not leaving this work to come down to you guys. I'm carrying on a great mission. This is an important project and I'm gonna stay with it until it's done and you can do whatever. I nearly said the hell you like. Well, I did say whatever the hell you like. You can do whatever the hell you like. And, and that's what we have to do with things that would take us away from focused faith. It can, everything else can do whatever the hell it likes, but we're going to be focused on that which God has called us to. Nehemiah, we see it on day one. We see it at, that he's finishing strong and that's so important that we start strong and finish strong. And then we see it every day along the way. Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14. And I looked over things. I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, and it goes on that verse and it says, um, you know, remember your God who is great and awesome and fight for your families, fight for your wives, your sons, your daughters, your homes. So right at the beginning, he has focused faith. All the way to the end, he has focused faith. Every step along the way, he rallies himself to live with focused faith. You and I, that's the kind of spirit, that's the kind of 
faith that God wants you and I to live with, that our lives would not be paralyzed by fear, that we wouldn't be distracted with stuff, but in our lives would be focused faith, to see the purposes of God come to pass in our life, to see your life build, to see your life flourish, to see eternity embrace this side of heaven, for us to be bringing heaven to earth in the here and now for people all around us. God wants that kind of faith on the inside of you and I, focused faith. And yet not everybody had it. They all had it on day one. But when we get to day 26, as we discovered last week, it says this, um, Nehemiah chapter four, verse 10 and 11. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the labors is giving out. There's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also our enemy said before they knew it or before they know it, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack you. Uh, think about these people who started out with focused faith and now completely fixated on all that's going wrong. Focused on the, that which is worthy and now fixated on everything else but. The strength of the labor is giving out. There's so much rubble we cannot rebuild. Who told them they couldn't rebuild? Certainly wasn't God. Certainly wasn't Nehemiah. The, 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 the man who had inspired them by the grace of God at the start and the spirit of God that had rallied them in the beginning, uh, there's no shift there. There was still in God a heart that he would get this done. But who, who did speak to them? Why did they listen to those voices? And so faith has one power, fear has another. Both have the power that we permit them. That's it. You have power over faith. You have power over fear. We all have the power to let whatever we want happen. So how do we develop focused faith that overcomes? Number one, this will be helpful. Number one, focused faith lives undistracted. Undistracted. Another word might be blinkered. Focused faith lives blinkered. I don't know what you know about horse racing. I, uh, my dad's a, he loves a punt and I knew how to bet from a very young age. Uh, well before I was old enough, I knew how to go in and take my hard-earned money after school and put on a bet on a horse. One day I backed seven horses in an eight-horse race. I worked it out that if any one of those seven won, I return a profit. I should have known that day never to bet again. Seven out of eight horses, and guess which one won? Yep, the other one, the favourite. Well, the, the, you know, I became a Christian at 21 and I realised that there were better ways to use my money than give it to the bookies and give it to the agencies. So make sure we invest in good stuff, spend our money on great stuff and let the horses run around in circles and entertain themselves. That aside, trainers understand that blinkered, blinkers on a horse help improve its performance. When you blinker a horse, it removes the distraction of anything behind it even things beside it, even the crowds in the stands, they're blinkered and the only thing they can see is what is in front of them. And the idea is simply to keep them focused for better performance. Well, Nehemiah was the master of not being distracted, of living with blinkered focus. And so he comes along. The Bible, I love this. Listen to this for those of you who are people of faith. No distractions, blinkered faith. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 in there, it says this. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. No, rather we fix our gaze, blinkered, on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The Bible goes on and talks. 
But number one, just to go, you know what? I'm going to live undistracted. I'm going to live blinkered. I'm going after what God has called me to. Number two, focus faith drives out discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? I'm sure we've all been discouraged. And discouragement comes our way. Discouragement is part of life. It's not that discouragement comes to us. It's what we do with it that really is defining, that really matters in life. And, and so Nehemiah uh, and those with him, listen to the people again from the message version, Ephesians, uh, Nehemiah 4.10. It says, but soon word was going around in Judah. The builders are pooped. The rubbish piles up. We're in over our heads. We can't build the wall. And again, my question is, who told them that was the case and that it couldn't be done? It wasn't God and it wasn't Nehemiah. Discouragement is like the kryptonite to overcoming. It is, it's like the kryptonite to overcoming. Superman is kind of a silly superhero. He's got almost no weakness except kryptonite. Like what other superhero can beat Superman? Zero. Don't know why I said that, but I do know this. He still had kryptonite. And fear is like our kryptonite. Doesn't matter how powerful we are. Doesn't matter how strong we are. Doesn't matter how much energy we bring. Doesn't matter how resourceful we are. Sooner or later, as people of faith uh, and as people who, who believe in God, we are going to have to determine that not discouragement, but faith is going to lead us forward. Not everybody gets discouraged at all. The, sorry, at the same time, but everybody comes to it. And when we do, we just want to rally our focused faith and go, you know what? I'm just going to reset here. I'm not going to fixate on the stuff. I'm going to focus on Jesus. Um, is there anywhere right now where you are discouraged? And what, what kind of faith is needed right now? Is there anywhere right now where you're completely discouraged? What's the faith that is needed? That's number two. Number three, focused faith weathers delays. Nehemiah and those with him um, encounter plenty of delays. Uh, in our life, there will be delays in, in whatever we're pursuing, whatever we're going after, whatever God's leading us to and taking us through. There are going to be delays. It's just part of life. And, and, and there are some delays that we need to own and go, well, that's not good enough. But there are other delays that are beyond our control or just part of life. They're, they're, they're just what happens as we move along. And, and, and it's funny to me, it's interesting to me that sometimes the people who should be most unstoppable, the people of God, are the most superstitious when it comes to faith, uh, when it comes to delay. It's like delay comes and it's like they're completely shocked and surprised, like, oh, I didn't see that happening. Well, delay is part of life. Sometimes it is enemies to our soul. Sometimes it is just life happening to us. And other times, even in other times, it's actually the sovereign work of God. I'm standing in a building right now where a delay on the building um, renovation in the next door building, um, which we were due to do and then got held back for six weeks. If that renovation had gone here, a whole lot of the money would have been swept up in that that meant we could buy this. There was a God-created delay that we didn't understand that created open, uh, opened up the future. And so delays are not a sign that God's not in it. Delays are not a sign that he's changed his mind. Delays are part of the process. Delays might be the strategy of the enemy or delays could even be the sovereign work of God because he's up to something we can't see yet. So here's what I think. I think when it comes to delays, we just continue to move forward with focused faith. Where have you got a delay? It's not a sign it's done. It's not a sign it's not God. It's just a stepping stone along the way. Let's just keep moving forward. 
focus faith. Number three, weather the delays. Number four, number four, I'm going to just mention it so you got the heading and move on from it. Number four, focus faith aligns the divided heart. Uh, I'd call it rallies the divided heart. We'll leave that there. Number five, we might come to all of these another week. I'm not sure. Number five, focus faith overcomes the demonic. Hey, we live in a spiritual world. There is good and evil. If you're under any doubt or any illusion, just have a think about what you have heard over the years going on behind closed doors in your neighborhood or all the way around the world. There is good. There is evil. It is supernatural. It is spiritual. And we need to be mindful. Uh, I'm going to leave that there too because I want to come to this final thought. Number six, focus faith lives with deep conviction. Focused faith lives with deep conviction. Nehemiah lived with deep conviction. We've read it a couple of times when he says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families, fight for your wives, fight for your children, fight for your homes. There's this deep conviction. At the beginning, there's a deep conviction. In the middle of it, there's a deep conviction. When he gets to the end, there is a deep conviction in Nehemiah. Sometimes and at some point when you and I are trusting God for something, the only thing we're going to have is the promise of God and the deep conviction that God has got this and He'll see us through it. That's it. Everything else around them at one point suggested this wasn't happening. The only thing that Nehemiah had to stand on was a bit of favour back there and the promise of God to his spirit and this work was worthy. And Nehemiah makes his takes and makes his stake in the ground and says, this is it. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care who's not with us. I don't care what the enemies say about us. I don't care how much work isn't done and is still to do. I don't care if people have lost energy, if their faith is now fixated on their fears. I can tell you this, oh, my conviction is this, that God will see us through to what He's bringing us into, that the day is coming and it won't be delayed because my lack of faith and He steps into it and He rallies the people with Him. You know, we've talked about an expansive decade in our church. And when Bron and I were weighing that, is this, do we really think this is God? Do we really think that's the next decade? One of the things that I contemplated in my private time was to go, what if in the short term, things contract? What if a group of people determined to leave? What if one of our churches decided they wanted to be standalone? What if someone of significant influence decided to pull all their capacity? Would I still believe that this is an expansive decade? And I reconciled in me that even if there was a short-term contraction, even if there was no fruit for seven years, no matter what I see and no matter what happens at the end of this decade, we will have seen an expansive decade, an expansive church emerge. That is my deep conviction to the very core of my being and I won't be shaken. It doesn't matter what an opinion is. It doesn't matter if people think uh, or challenge what my motive might be. I tell you this, the promise of God in our heart that this is an expansive decade. We've made our determination. We've got a deep conviction as a church and we're moving towards it as God brings it towards us. What about you? What about in your life? Where does conviction need to go deep as it relates to the promise of God? Where does conviction need to run deep in your marriage? Is your marriage with the one you're in right now, regardless of the past, are you in it for life? That conviction needs to run deep and there'll be 
decisions you need to make along the way. But if you will make them, God brings to you the things that make it work. Is that deep in you? As it relates to the house of God and the gathering of His people, is that a conviction that runs deep like Scripture says? As it relates to your business, is there a conviction that runs deep and you're just going to step into it and keep going forward, whatever it is in Jesus' Name, may we be those who have that conviction run deep in us as we live with focus, faith and inherit the promises of God in Jesus' Name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.